You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Well, it is uh, great to see everyone in church this morning. And uh, one of the great privileges uh, that I have uh, as a, I guess, a preacher is that uh, you have this special dynamic in which uh, you get ahead of a sermon series and you plan and you think through and you pray through and you hope it's all going to fit and you put all your bits and pieces together and then you speak it out uh, and then you get to the end of a series and you see the amazing work that God has done. And uh, it's been my passage this week from the Psalms, ironically, it was at the back end, the next one after one of the Psalms that we preached on. Uh, But Psalm 127 verse 1 says, uh, Unless the Lord builds the house, uh, then the builders labour in vain. And it's so true of what we are seeing starting to emerge here in Northside is that uh, the work that happens out here at front, the work that I, I do as one of the team here and as a preacher is that that's just, that's just like a tenth of the story. The real story is that word goes out, it shapes us and it changes us, it transforms us. And we've been looking at a series, if you're just joining us or your guest today, a series called The Divine Wrestle, uh, which looked at uh, many of uh, the tough raw emotions of life. How do we deal with tears and how do we deal with fears and how do we deal with doubts? And a lot of my heart that I'd been praying to God uh, through all of this before we got into the series was that uh, it would shape us and it would shift us as a church. And I believe it started to. It started to when I was chatting to an older Northside, uh, one of the morning congregation after our sermon on uh, fears, I think it was, and asking them how their week was. And they said, good, it was really good. And then they paused for a second and they said, no, nah, you know what, Sam? No, business has been tough and I'm scared to look at the numbers. And I think something is starting to shift into a church and into a culture, let's be real, in the lower North Shore, where it's easy to put your mask on and to not share and to not be real with one another. And I see more and more in this world is a whole bunch of people, whether you're 35 or 55 or 75, who are desperately looking for a part of the world where it's safe to be in a place where it's okay not to be okay. And I'm always saying that the quality of our community will be the secret to our mission. What I mean by that is as people come in and experience a community that's genuinely vulnerable and open and real with people, isn't that refreshing? Most of you work in corporate environments where you're dealing with the mass all the time and, and I've been there too from time to time and it's so refreshing when you can just have a conversation like that from time to time. So the real work has been done, not in the preaching of the sermon. The real work has been done by the builder of the house, which is not Sam Haddon or Michael Thomas or Sarah Anderson or your ministry team. The builder of this house is the Lord. And hopefully, I'm praying that we're going to see this morning as we do a panel series. The reason why we do a panel series is so we can see the way that God has been working and moving and how the real work has been happening. So you're up for seeing how that's, what that looks like? Um, we've got three un- awesome Northsiders with us this morning. Will you welcome up Mark Anderson, Maureen Shelley and Len Hamey? They're our panel members this morning. Why don't we give them a round of applause? Grab a seat, you can sit in here, man, and then you can sit up there. Thanks for being on the panel and the funky lounges, and I know these colours are not everyone's cup of tea, but welcome to the future. It's uh, very yellow, isn't it? Yeah, it's very yellow. Um, uh, guys, thanks for being part of the panel, and um, you span a, a range of different parts of our church from connection groups and across the ages. I guess first broad question for, for whoever wanted to chip in was just around 
uh, I guess, uh, people's first impressions around, oh, we're doing a series on tears, fears and doubts. Um, how did people react to it in your groups or just what you, you'd seen around the place? There's microphones around. I guess I'm getting the question. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think our Connect group were... We were ready for this. Um, I think as a group, we'd, we'd been journeying together for about 12 months um, and we were ready for a study where we could really get real with one another, mm. um, where we could kind of, I suppose, peel back a bit of a layer and go deep with what's really going on in people's lives. So, yeah, we were ready um, mm. and actually really excited about it. That's great. Folks, anything on your side? I mean, I haven't discussed it as part of the group, but certainly, you know, with my family and friends and uh, I think all of us experience fears and tears and doubts. Mm. You know, as you say, we're really good at masks, but once you get to know people and what they're going through in their lives, there's usually a lot going on Mm. and uh, the series has really helped me unpack a lot of that. Yeah, that's great. It came as a surprise to me because I think I'd missed a week or two and (laughs) it was good. Yeah, that's great. Well, Mark, um, coming back to you, week one we looked at tears. We'll keep one mic on this couch, won't we? That can be your sole dedicated microphone and you two can share. Uh, week one we're talking about tears and we learnt uh, the gospel. I called it the gospel according to Joni Mitchell, um, that Christians can look at both sides. I had so- no idea what you're talking I know about. You, I know, you're a young adult. You don't know who Joni Mitchell is. Um, <laughs> Uh, but they can, a Christian can look at both sides now and, unlike Joni, not come away disillusioned uh, at the end of the stings and the experiences of life. And we saw in Psalm 1 that there was a real um, darkness to the passage. That was a major theme, not only of that, uh, that Psalm 126, but of the whole Psalms. And, and we were getting out of that, that uh, we said life, life can just be a conjunction of junk if we're real about it. Uh, and practically that meant not McDonald'sing. As I'd said, our approach, which I'd hinted at, that McDonald's in our approach, we do that as we feel like a McDonald's checkout person when people greet us at church and they ask us how we're going and, and we go, I'm fine, I'm good, I'm great. Um, so we saw in that darkness that people can be a bit more real because the psalm's real. I guess first question for you was, um, how, did, how did you or others process and react to, I guess, the darkness and the rawness of that first psalm? Well, it's tough to read, mm. um, but it's also refreshing because we've all been there. We've all viewed it in that light. Um, so that's a big one. I guess I'm probably making some generalisations, so I don't want to kind of you know, offend anybody. Um, but we can put on our Sunday best. We can all roll up to church uh, with the facade, with the um, stuffing my tears, as you used, mm. approach where... We actually don't want to let people see what's really going on. And that can be for, I guess, any number of reasons, whether that be we have to take away the facade that my life's perfect and my life's going well or we don't want to burden people. Mm. But another one that came up in our group is people don't necessarily think that what they're struggling with is that big a deal. There's someone else who's got a bigger problem, so I'm just going to stuff mine. Um, And the church is a place where you need to be able to... You need to feel most comfortable to share it. You've got to feel more than anywhere else that it's okay to not be okay. And it's got to be, you've got to feel that you can actually burden people. Mm. And I think vice versa, we also need to roll up to church prepared to be burdened. Mm. We've got to roll up willing to carry a bit of what people are going through. Yeah. So that's a big one. Yeah. 
Another one I had off the back of that was that we also saw that the end of that psalm, the psalmist in Psalm uh, 126 talks about, um, and darkness is my closest friend. Sorry, Psalm 88, darkness is my closest friend. And I'd said in the message that the psalmist was pretty much saying, Daddy's a poo-poo, you know, quite angry with God, wrestling with God, frustrated with God. Um, what reflections came out of that in terms of just the approach to God? What reflections came out of that in your group setting? That he's big enough to take it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Like that's yep. basically it. He's yep. big enough to take it. Um, mm. Sometimes we try and minimise God, and yeah. he's so much bigger than that. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's big enough to take it, and he just wants us to come with our junk as we are. We don't have to try and get things coordinated or sorted out and, and on the way to being better before we come to him. He just yeah. wants us to come in the mess. That's great. Maureen, over to you. Uh, week two, we... We looked we went from tears and then fears in week two, and we looked at uh, how the Bible deals and wrestles with fear and anxiety. And uh, we were um, seeing that anxiety is that feeling when the things that you've got your security in other than God start to get eaten away. And there's this great statement in Psalm 3 that David says, But you, O Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. Uh, he says, You're a shield around me, Psalm 3, verse 3. And so uh, we said that that meant that he was... It was a particular type of shield, a shield that he took into the battle and the darkness. So he's actually not praying for God to get him out of the circumstances, but into the circumstances. Uh, and actually the paradox of that being that God would grow him and shape him and sustain him through, through that. Um, have you ever experienced that paradox of God in the challenge? I know it's a deep question to be asking, so feel free to share what you want to share, but it's okay not to be okay um, in front of everyone. Um, but I, I, either in yourself or others around you, have you ever seen or experienced that paradox where God's used the challenges of your life to not only grow you, but maybe strengthen you and, and bless you? Um, yes, he has, and he's continuing to do so. Um, so I came to Northside about nearly six years ago in a time of great challenge in my life. And, you know, loving the journey and having a great time and really enjoyed, you know, meeting the family and, and really becoming part of people's lives. And one of the things that I've realised through this series and through reflection on the past few years is how God uses you and how he plans things well in advance to bring into fruition at just the right time. Mm. So um, if I can just share a personal story... Um, about seven, eight years ago, I was uh, chair of the Classification Review Board, which in the old days used to be called the Censorship Board. So for seven years, I had to watch pornography. Um, mm. And, you know, people laugh and think, oh, that's fabulous. And it really isn't. Mm. It's really damaging. And it's mm. taken me seven years and nearly six of them with Northside to recover from mm. that. It's the most dreadful thing. And... Um, you know, obviously that leaves you very weak. It leaves you susceptible to a whole lot of stuff, things that... I mean, I won't go into any of it, but just your worst imaginings couldn't be as bad as what's out there. Mm. You're just absolutely your worst imaginings. But anyway, I had that seven years and uh, I did it for my country. I sort of think that's my military service. Mm. And... Um, um, but what I hadn't realised that God was preparing me. He was doing that for a very specific reason. Because I have a friend, and I've, I've talked to Sam and other members of the ministry about this, I have a friend who 
supports people who are victims of pedophilia. And she's been working in this field for 20 years. And she comes to me with her burdens, mm. you know, because mm. she has to read these dreadful, dreadful files and then go to the courts and hear these terrible testimonies. And she's doing that week in, week out. So she calls me and unburdens. So she <laughs> downloads all this stuff. Um, and then I come to church and unburdened and get prayed over and, you know, mm. anointed. And, you know, every month where there's the ministry of anointing, I take it because <laughs> I need that visible symbol of, you know, that God is looking after me. Mm. And um, just last week she came to me and she said, you know, Maureen, I've never believed in God. I'm, you know, the world's biggest atheist. And I said, yeah, yeah, I know that. And uh, she said, I'm starting to have doubts. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, you know, I've been praying for you all these years <laughs> and all of your troubles, I've been praying into your, you know, her concerns and her fears. And, you know, so she's now doubting that there is no God. She's wow. now wondering whether there is a God and whether he's there for her. Wow. So I've invited her to the ministry, to the women's ministry. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, so, well. yeah, so that's, you know, I was like that fear, that burden, that anxiety mm. that I've borne with for all these years, God was using it, I think, using me as a tool yeah. to bring one of his daughters, hopefully, bringing wow. her home. Come on. Wow. <laughs> Um, wow. <laughs> um, don't you just love the way I said God's doing the work? <laughs> the sermon's only about 1% now instead of 10%. I take that back <laughs> of the work that's been done. Because uh, off the back of that, yeah, to a, a core question that came out of the fears uh, message that we had, as I said, and it's been part of my wrestle, that I think fundamentally in our fears, the, the deep question for us has been in light of our circumstances, do we really trust that God will see us through those challenges? Will he really turn up for me? Uh, I guess my question for you, yeah, what, what discussions or reflections or observations had you seen either in your own life or the friends in terms of the way that God has, has shown up? He just shows up in the most mighty way. Mm. I mean, it's constant and continuous. I was saying to Graham the other day, my relationship with God is fantastic. We're having a great time at the moment. You know, sometimes you go through periods of doubt, mm. um, but that's not a season for me at the minute. We're having a, you know, I just, I'm relying on him throughout the day, mm. like every day. Um, and also my relationship with Graham is, is fantastic. 26 years, our anniversary wow. just recently. So that was really lovely to celebrate. Um, but it seems like every other aspect of my life, you know, I'm dealing with, you know, murder, suicide, attempted suicide, pedophilia, mental illness, um, you know, open heart surgery, stroke. You know, these are my close friends and personal family members who are going through this. And, um, you know, if one more person rings me and says, Maureen, it's bad news, <laughs> I, swear, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to cope. Well, I do know how I'm going to cope. I'm doing, I'll continue to do what I'm doing, which is God. I can't deal with all this. Yeah. I really can't. Yeah. I'm giving it to you and I'm just going to pray into you and you have to show up for me because I can't cope on my own. Yeah. And um, he's been taking care of that 
for me all year and allowing me to be the support person for these other people because I can't do it in mm -hmm. my strength. I haven't got the strength. Yeah, wow. Um, so the divine wrestle, eh? More oh. divine wrestling. <laughs> Which is, um, thank you so much for sharing so, yeah, rawly and openly and reflecting too in terms of how we met as well. Um, it, we, yeah, the three of us met in tears. I remember clearly our first Sunday in the foyer, right at the door there. God had just touched you and Graham in a profound way in a message off the back of forgiveness. And I remember that and thinking, yeah, let's, yeah, tears. That's, that's how I met you and Graham. And isn't it amazing just to see the way that God has sustained you through all of that? So. Sam, you, you preached an amazing service on forgiveness on the 31st of January in 2010. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, one of the things that you said to me then, which has absolutely stayed with me, is, well, Maureen, of course you can't forgive that. That's, be that's beyond human forgiveness. You need supernatural help mm. to forgive that sort of thing. <laughs> and um, mm. I've had that supernatural help every single day ever since and oh. I thank God for it and I thank God for you, Sam. Oh, mm. Mm. Um, Len, um, <laughs> um, yeah, we best move on. Um, <laughs> is it great that Maureen said her friend is starting to doubt her atheism, which is <laughs> unreal, isn't it? Because we said doubts are not just for, doubts are not just for those of the faith. Yeah. Um, but for atheists as well, I think that was how I ended last week with doubts. Is saying if you're going to be, if you're sceptical or if you're an atheist here, can you at least just play fair with us and um, doubt, doubt your doubts? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we were learning that doubts were okay um, for both the sceptic and the believer. And in fact, you need doubts because particularly for those of the faith, that uh, a faith without doubts, I was saying, is, is like a a body without antibodies in it. Your, your, your faith's not immunised in that sense. Um, you're part of Explore and part of the reason you're here is because your group dobbed you in and said, you've got to get Len on the panel and he's got great <laughs> insights throughout the week. Um, what sort of things popped up throughout Explore that arose uh, when talking about doubts of the faith or just things in your mind that you'd reflected on from last week? Yeah, um, I'm afraid I don't remember a lot, some of the discussion, but I certainly remember, um, yeah, some... One thing that was raised was, you know, issues of things that happen in the world that just don't seem consistent with the character of God, like mm. um, a nun being killed in a, a uh, aeroplane crash, or uh, disasters, natural disasters, tsunamis, and things like that. Mm. Um, and um, I know we talked about how well some of that, some of that may be influenced. Some of it's directly the result of human sin, mm. you know like people being executed, right, mm. um, for their faith or whatever. That's, that's the, but on the other hand, maybe some of what happens also is because um, as a race and as a, as a humanity, we are not kind to each other and some of us are forced to live in dangerous areas and so mm. on. So maybe there's more even direct impact of our sin than we realise. Mm. Um, but then also... Um, one of the members shared how um, a relative of theirs died with motor neuron disease. And I, I remember this distinctly. He said, the la last word she said was, you can't believe how good God is. Mm. And the thing is that, um, you know, those trials and difficult times challenge our faith. Mm. 
and they really do, but ultimately they can build it. Mm, mm, mm. Because um, we were reflecting when we were chatting that it seems that doubt's more than just an intellectual issue, right? It, it's, it's more than just getting all the T's crossed and the I's dotted. Mm. Um, it seems to be more than that. And, you'd, yeah, you'd reflected upon how you'd been wrestling through that as well. Um, just, yeah, share with us a bit what had come out of that for you. you know? Yeah, so... Look, I, I mean, I've been a Christian for a long time, um, since I was about eight. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I'm an intellectual, and I teach at the university. Uh, so I encounter the intellectual arguments mm. against faith, and I've had to think about those. But those don't, for me at least, really challenge my faith. What really challenged my faith was personal experience, mm. um, particularly when uh, we were forced to leave the church that we'd been at for, since we got married and raised our kids in. Mm-hmm. And um, my wife had been there all her life. And things went sour and we had to leave. Mm. And for me, it felt like as though I hadn't just lost a church. It felt like I'd been rejected by the church. Mm. And it felt like I'd been rejected by God. You know, I felt like as though I was one of those people of, you know, the, where they say in the New Testament, you know, excommunicated, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what it felt like. Mm. Um, and it was a very difficult time. And, um, you know, when, when that sort of thing happens, you start to wonder where God's all in all this, you know. And as I think back on it now, there were times when there were some positive things happened. But overall, I'd say that over a period of quite a few years, like seven years, the overall result was negative, mm. for me at least. Um, and I'll never forget the day, neither of us will forget the day when our two um, children, Jess and Josh, um, spoke to us and said, come on guys, it's time for you to get back into church. Mm. We remember how you used to be a part of it and how you used to contribute. Mm. And so we looked around and had a chat with Graham and that's what found us back here at Northside. Mm. But the thing is that when your faith is challenged like that, you just get down to something core that you hang on to. Mm. And for me, the core thing that I hang on to when I start to doubt whether the universe is, you know, well, I don't really care how old the universe is anymore. <laughs> Honestly, I don't care how old the universe is anymore, right? <laughs> However God decided to do it, Right? The important thing for me is that Jesus Christ died and was resurrected from the dead. Yeah, come on. Right? So therefore, I hang my faith on that. Mm. And for Vicky, it's um, God loves her and God is and he loves her. Mm. Right? And we, we choose something that's true about God, something that we are not going to let go of. We hang on to that and then... Our faith changes because it gets built on that instead yeah. of being built on other things. Yeah. Wow. You know? And if you're part of a church that's loving and supportive, you can end up, unfortunately, with your faith built on church instead of on yeah. God. I didn't mean to say that, but... It's great. <laughs> so good. So important. I love that line. Yeah, so what you, yeah, if you end up in a healthy, good church, the biggest risk is that you build your faith on the church and not on God. That's a great word. Yeah, unreal. Um, Wow. Mm. (laughs) 
humbling, <laughs> but great. Um, we're talking to, because um, look, it really dovetails into that last question I was going to ask you is that you know, a lot of my heart in talking about the doubts is one of the great risks we have with a healthy church is that it just becomes a Christian bubble. Mm. And if we don't have people that are sceptical and people who are checking out Christianity and, and non-believers with us, and um, we do have a heap of sceptics at any one point in time. So that's a great that's yes. why we are a healthy church, because um, there are a number of people here this morning that are still just checking out Christianity. And, uh, and we keep saying, you're welcome, and thank goodness you're here, because we don't want to become a Christian bubble mm. where we just keep perpetuating inherited Christian beliefs from mum and dad and friends. Um, yeah, how, how, did, how did you see um, that dynamic emerge in, in your group? Because, yeah, Explore, you are a lively bunch. And you have some diverse views, and, yeah. and, and at times that could really ruffle a few people's feathers. But talk us through that dynamic, and have you seen that emerge as a healthy thing? I think, I think the group handles that sort of thing very, in a very healthy way. Um, there are always differences, right? And people have different experiences, and our experience shapes us, and that's unavoidable. Mm. Um, I think the important thing, and I think the thing that the group demonstrates, is that we're there to love and accept each other, right? Um, so, you know, if somebody says something that's pretty uh, unusual, strange, different to my ears, for example, well, then it's, the first thing is to make sure that person knows that, you know, it's okay, right? Um, and... I've seen how gently that can be done, mm. and um, and ultimately, I think to myself, well, you know, we have the last thing I want to, would want to do is to damage somebody else's faith. Mm. Right? Faith is so precious, and it's different because all of our lives and experiences are different, and God deals with each of us individually. Mm. So, you know, I don't want to damage somebody else's faith, and. They don't want to damage mine. And we um, encourage each other. But we do, you know, at times, ha- you know, well, we get to think about... We get to think about different ideas and we get to challenge ourselves and ask ourselves, well, how would I handle that situation if that happened to me? Mm-hmm. But I, I think the big thing is that when, when you're going through a tough time, you can share it with somebody else and get some, some support and some yeah. prayer. And... Um, you know, I have done that on occasion. You don't do it every week because it's somebody else's turn sometimes. Yeah. You know. <laughs> well, that's great. Um, it's great to hear because it's so much of our heart and desire here is to have groups that are healthy and dynamic and uh, loving and authentic and open that sceptics are welcome into. We had, mm. we had a, a young adult group um, in this series where uh, Mike McQueen, one of our worship leaders and elders, was reflecting that um, he was there and this new guy, he hadn't been to group for ages and a guy who's a bit newer was there asking all of these incredible questions and talking through. And, and he said to him, well, how long have you been a Christian? And he's like, I'm not a Christian. You know, I'm, I'm an atheist. My parents are atheists. I, I, my friends just brought me here a couple of weeks ago, but this is cool. So, um, <laughs> so, But he's experienced that dynamic where, and the, the group's alive now because of it, because they're thinking and processing. And so it's, it's great that we have that dynamic here because I've met people here at Northside and you've, some people have come from churches where, oh, the minute you say anything that's a little left of field, you're a heretic. 
And so don't dare go off the party line in terms of what we believe the truth to be. But Spurgeon, the great preacher, said that the stone is rolled smooth in the river of truth. So our different opinions roll us smooth into the way that God is trying to teach us. Uh, We're real tight on time. So I guess it's the final question was just for all of you in whatever reflections you might have. But looking back at this whole series, um, yeah, what what were your observations in in some of the ways... um, of what might have challenged or affirmed or surprised people from this series? Anything that challenged, affirmed or surprised people? Um, another question that you might want to ponder is just how you might have seen Northside shift or change a little bit in this short period of time. But uh, Mark? Um, I guess we, several in our group were affirmed that we all know it, but it's so good to hear it again, is that it's okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that we just need to we just need to come to church and come to connect group where we are and where we're at with whatever our struggles are, whatever our hurts are at that time. Um, and through through sharing um, through sharing with with the group and being vulnerable, a depth of relationship was created. That, pre- that certainly hadn't been there in our group previously. So that was huge. But also that the freedom that's found in being vulnerable, mm. the freedom that we actually experience when we let go of some of those things that we're holding deep down in here and not wanting to, not wanting to reveal to people. Mm. Um, yeah, the freedom that was found just in letting go of that and going, oh, you too. That's great, yeah. Folks, anything else? Um. Just the words of the song this morning, in my weakness, Lord, you lift me up. Mm -hmm. You make all things new. Mm -hmm. This series has absolutely just reaffirmed all of that Mm -hmm. for me. And it's not so much admitting my weaknesses, but actually, you know, God talks to you. Often the things that I'm worrying or fearful about for others is actually the thing that he's concerned about for me. Mm. So, you know, he's really good at that. He sort of gives you a knock on the head and says, oi. You know, this is you're worrying about that person, but really it's you that you need to be worrying about, and you need to just give up and give this up to me. And and so that's been you know just completely reaffirmed with mm. this series. So it's been very that's good. Great. So. Yeah. Then any final reflections? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head, Sam, when you said that. Um, you know, I've forgotten what I was going to say. Yeah, that's <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, I'm good at letting things sit out of my head. Anyhow, um, yeah, look, the... Yeah, if it's left you, it's left you. It could have been... Yeah, yeah. Could have been for you and the probably Lord. Probably just something... Yeah. I, probably just something I've already said today. But, yeah, um, yeah look, this, this whole thing about being emotionally real with God mm-hmm. is uh, something that's not new to me, but I think it's really, really important. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really good for a church to acknowledge it at the across the whole church and yeah. say yes it's really good for us to be able to be real emotionally real with God and with each other mm. um, and to not think that we have to come here with our stuff all together mm. right that it's okay to come here mm. um, in a position of even saying I wish I wasn't here yeah right but I've come here anyhow yeah that's great has that been Has that been worthwhile? Yeah, 
God's, God's moving. He's, he's working. Uh, can we give these guys a round of applause? Just thank them for um, all, that, all that you've done this morning. Thanks, folks. Um, you can leave them. I'll take the mics with you. They're our gift to you this morning. No, not really. They're worth like 500 bucks each. <laughs> wow. How do you squeeze all of that into 30 minutes? Uh, it's been amazing the way that God has been working in this place. Some of the different glimpses of stuff that we've seen, as I said, we've seen friends invite friends along who are skeptics and non-believers and within a week they ended up in a connection group and serving at Glebe by their first week after church and they're still just checking out Christianity. Uh, we had a message where the morning that we had uh, preaching on tears that we had a, a young woman who was at the Northside Clinic up in Greenwich and uh, she had decided to look us up on the internet and just call us for whatever reason. At the end of the message, she was crying. Uh, she got brought up by Richard Gray, one of our people here, because he was a concierge at the desk that morning and took the phone call. And she said, can I come to your church? And he said, of course, I'll wait for you in the foyer. This is what I look like. Tell me what you look like. He sat next to her the whole service. And that was a series in which I'd shared some of the tough stuff about my mum and her alcoholism and some of the wrestles that I'd had in the faith. And she was crying and she said, I'm at the Northside Clinic because I'm dealing with alcoholism and that addiction. You get what I'm going through, right? And we just had an opportunity to pray in tears. She said, I haven't been to church in 15 years. I don't know why I decided to call up this morning, but I came for a message like this. And we saw one of our uh, young adult girls who's been with us since uh, just before Easter. She uh, typed up uh, church into the internet. She was just a seeker. Uh, she registered for Christianity Explained via web form. She'd been tracking with us in all of that. And during this last series, she gave her life to Christ. And she's going to be baptised in about four weeks' time, which is just unreal. That same night that that happened, another Northside couple came in and they said, Sam, i just got to let you know, uh, we've got to duck out the door, but uh, our son brought a friend along last week. You might have seen him. I said, yeah, I saw that was a new face. Well, yeah, um, he had a whole heap of questions after the message. And so we just talked with him the whole way home in the car, back to the eastern suburbs. And um, just letting you know, we led him to Christ when we got home. <laughs> so uh, the ministers are out of a job. <laughs> Um, there's another deeper story that I've shared with some of the elders. It's a bit tough to share it this way, but just God had moved in the most miraculous of ways. And so, church, I just want to share that unless the Lord builds the house, then the laborers labor in vain. God's doing an amazing work amongst us. Thank you for being a church that is open and receptive to something as tough as these sorts of issues. There is something precious in us, Northside, in the way that we, we are just open to the way that God is leading us. And uh, may we all rejoice in some of those stories as people are just seeing real and genuine, authentic Christianity come alight as the gospel goes forth and as God says that his word goes out and it will not return to me void. Uh, he's doing his work and we're a part of all of that. And so I hope that we're all being blessed by that this morning. So uh, let's pray as we come now to a time of communion.